Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire your walk with God. For more information about our church and community, check out myc3church.ca. Um, so I just want to mention something very quick. Over the last, um, last fall, we uh, announced our Rise and Build uh, campaign, which was a capital campaign for a few things that we needed um, here at the church. We wanted to um, expand um, in some areas, children's area, doing some video um, streaming, doing some um, uh, finishing the kitchen, what have you. Every fall, we go through, summer you go through a little bit of a dip often in your giving, and then the fall it turns around. This fall it didn't turn around. Uh, it's always done that, and so it was a little bit of a surprise for us. So you haven't heard too much about Rise and Build these last few weeks. Uh, if you have made a Rise and Build commitment, uh, we are using the funds that have been given to fulfill the specific areas that we said we were going to do, and then, and then leave a little bit aside until we can uh, for the kitchen. But um, your, what we need to do first is get our church finances completely uh, under control before we start into these other projects. So if you haven't heard too much about it, that's the reason. And so we're going to use the funds that we currently have. And uh, if you have made a pledge, you want to fulfill that, it'll go towards those things. But um, we have to get our cash flow sorted out. And I just want to thank everybody that gave uh, on their, in their year-end giving, your last days, your last end times giving. Uh, and so I appreciate that very much. So we had a strong finish to this year, and uh, I have no reason to... Uh, not believe we're going to have a strong year ahead. So anyway, thank you for that. Was I think there was something else. Oh yes, last week I, oh yeah, fasting this week. Now, uh, here's the power of fasting is when we do it together. It's not the thing. Uh, here's what happens spe- uh, instantly in me. What happens is, uh, you know, your flesh starts screaming and uh, you need to, you know, tell it to settle down and let your spirit rise up. And it may be the next step for you if you've not fasted before. Um, We typically, or I typically do either a water or juice fast, others do other things, Um, and and then we change our our program, our routines, Uh, spend more time rather than time you would have done watching television or or eating, (laughs) you give that time to the Lord for uh, silencing the flesh, it gets very loud, and so this week it'll, you know, and you end up getting a little bit irritable and what have you, but you'll, you'll live. You know, make it through it. I remember once when we first announced fancy, we were doing a one-month fast, and uh, I met with one of my elders, and he was like really, really, really jittery and had little dilated pupils, and he said, this fast is like it's, it's making me go crazy. I said, really? What are you doing? He said, I just drink straight black tea. I can't sleep. I can't do anything. And he's <laughs> so make sure you drink lots of water, <laughs> and, uh, and it's a step of faith. The, the, there's no guilt involved. If you, should you start today, tomorrow? Uh, doesn't matter, but just but just ask the Lord what you're to do, and then just do it, and watch what happens, and and uh, you're going to be fine. But uh, make sure you stay hydrated, and if you have a, a medical condition, make sure you consult your physician. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of that. Um, here, I, I said something a little bit wrong. Um, <laughs> gosh, I'm doing a lot of repenting, aren't I? things I say wrong. But, but um, what I typically do is after, after a Sunday, I pray for everybody that was here, pray for the response. I'm out walking, and I realize sometimes you say things that in your head, uh, you know, you th- think you know what you said, but you're not sure maybe what was heard. And I think, so here's, I think I got my history a bit mixed up I, when I was talking about Alexander the Great. He was, an, he was a Greek. He wasn't a Roman. <laughs> but what he did, this is, this, is, this is to our point this morning, about the church is designed to govern. 
Um, but what he did, he not, when, as he was conquering the known world, he not just went and took, took the countries, but he culturized the cities that he took and made them into Greek cities. Well, the Romans adopted that same style of conquering, and, and they called the, it was the, the, the term for the general they sent out was, a, was an apostle. And he was meant not just to go and take some ground, but to reculture the city. And part of his role was to change the government, the, change the financial structures, so they're now using Roman currency, uh, change the educational system. And so when we read about the church and how it's intended to function, it was interesting to me that when you see the title that Jesus gives those who were designed, the, his disciples, they were designed for, for, um, to go and change the world. He didn't use the Old Testament term patriarch. He didn't use the Old Testament term of priest. He didn't even use a, a through those silent years where they, and a little bit before, they were called rabbis or teachers. But he didn't use that term. He sent them out as apostles. Now this is an interesting change in how Jesus was going to empower his followers for cultural transformation. So that's why it says in Ephesians chapter 4 is that, that Jesus, it said he gave apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers. He gave them. These are the gifts of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, you'll find the gifts of the Spirit. And in Romans chapter 12, you'll see the gifts of the Father. But in Ephesians chapter 4, you'll see the gifts of Jesus. And it said he gave these as governmental gifts. They were governing roles. And we don't see this as much in church culture as I wished we could. Excuse me, but I believe we're at a turn in how church was designed to function because we're being prepared as a bride for her groom. She, and, the, and the bride is making herself ready. And so this is part of what I would call a, uh, I don't even know what I'd call it, but it's called, it's a time where the church is rising up as a governing body for the kingdom of God. And, uh, and these, I think, are some extremely exciting days ahead of us. So uh, I just wanted to start off by inviting us once again to turn to Matthew chapter 16, and then we'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, the, uh, I want to thank uh, all of you who took the invitation for identity transformation and picked up these journals. Uh, they're, just a, they're just a system that's basically my system. I think that I should have put a few more things in there, but you can, hopefully you could copy that. It's a bit of work. Uh, there's about 200 days really in here. It would probably take, I do this about two or three times a week. And, uh, and when, you, when you begin to write I am statements, like this morning I got up, I didn't even write it out. I just, I am anointed. Why? Because Jesus says I'm anointed. And I need to be for this morning. And I begin that declaration, and then I'll often get a kickback in my mind. Well, who says? So then I go to the Word of God. And, and so I am statements are about spirit. I will statements are about soul. 
I choose are about body. This is a spirit, soul, and body transformation process. And so you understand that when you begin this process, um, you begin to now confront old mindsets. And it's, it's extremely uh, um, personal. <laughs> uh, I think you should trash it. Um, you know, just write color, all that stuff. And then I begin the next day either with yesterday or else today. Because you typically have to carry forward what happened yesterday and realize Oh, yesterday when I said as my I am statement, I am chosen, I all of a sudden felt this deep wave of loneliness come over me, and I'm not sure if I'm part of the body of, I'm not sure, and all these lies come up, so you have to collect that week and, and remind yourself, no, 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 this is who the word of God says that I am, because you've read it from the word, and you've got a little bit of ammunition. And then I'll often even summarize the week because I'll find, oh, I said I was anointed, I was protected, I am fearless. Therefore, and I look back over the week and, wow, look at all those pushbacks. They were on those specific items. So anyway, thank you. We, we sold half of them. There's still a few left out there. If anybody wants them, they're, uh, they're uh, there for you. I, hope it, I hope it, really hope it helps. And uh, our staff took up the challenge, and I was really encouraged by what they were able to say about their their last week. But what happens, what, what we start to do, it says in the, um, we read this week in, the, in, in um, a one-year Bible, is that there was a certain point where they started to call on the name of the Lord. I circle that and I go, what does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? This was their first, the first interaction where their, sounds like prayer was started, but what were the, well, how do you call on the name of the Lord? This is interesting to me, so I highlight that, of course, and part of what they were doing is calling on the character and the nature of who God is. It's what they were doing. Because what happens is that we'll get a different idea in our head of what God is like. And we need to reprogram our, our thinking because culture and your imagination will put a caricature of what God is like. And that, the Bible calls that a vain imagination. Um, we would call that as well an idol, anything that is not accurate to who the image of God really is, if you carry in your imagination, uh, that will keep you from seeing him as he really is. And so it's, again, part of our, the, the interaction that we have with the Word of God to help us get a clear picture of who God is. And, of course, the New Testament says he's exactly of Jesus. He was the exact representation, the identical and the image of what God is like. So any, any image that you carry in your mind that's not like Jesus, the revealed Savior, is a vain imagination. And so this takes time for us to renew our minds. All right, look at first, uh, Matthew chapter 16. And uh, I just want to get into this once more, make a, a few um, declarations. Because our lives are built like the church is built. Same thing, on a revelation of Jesus. So here's, here we go, it says this. Uh, you know, who do people say that I am? So Jesus was dealing with, he, he was completely secure in who he was. <laughs> he, he, he was, it says in John 13, he knew who, who, where he came from, who he was, and where he was going. So we keep three data points in mind when we're discovering who we are. Your, your biggest battle is identity. And so, so he says, who do people say that I am? And he's asking the disciples this. And they had a response. Says, oh, these people have these ideas of what you're like. And they were transposing them on what God was to be like. Oh, he's a prophet. Like, like, 
Elijah. They had this idea, but they didn't have an accurate representation yet. And so he says, then he finally asked them, asked them all, well, who do you say that I am? And, and, and an I am statement, again, Jesus knew exactly who he was. But he had some I am statements. He had many I am statements and many I will statements. So you and I, to settle our identity, need to have I am and I will statements. And he said this, that, that, uh, that you are, who do people say I am? You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he said, well, you're blessed because you have an accurate revelation of who I am. Man did not give this to you, nor can man give this to you. You have to get it from my Father. No, no one can tell you who Jesus is. You've got to get that yourself. He said, Nobody, no, no teacher has given you this. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. Have you had a revelation of Jesus? Like Serrano said, if you have, there will be some response of some kind. So he said that, that you got this from outside of this dimension. He, he's functioning dimensionally. Didn't learn this from a human being. Now I say to you, Peter, which is like a little stone or, little, or a pebble, little, little, little rock, Upon this rock, big rock, uh, I will, and he made his I, I will statements, I will build my church. Those five words have incredible implications for you and I today. First of all, it reminds us who is the one who's building the church. Are we or is he? The answer is yes. Well, is he building it or are we building it? Yes. He, 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 this, is a, this is such a mind-blowing thing, is that he chooses to partner with you and I, as frail and as broken and as confused, but he chooses to use broken individuals in his building project. I would, I would never invite me onto some of the building projects I see around town. Stopped and talked to a builder yesterday, Trico Homes, he's like, he's working away, and I said, uh, well, it didn't matter what I said, but I was just kind of impressed, and his tool belt was like all wore out in a big 18-volt drill, and um, I, you know, I thought, I walked away saying, um, he doesn't want me on his building project. I'd get it all wrong. But he has a building project going on with trained people, and this is what Jesus said. He said, I am actually going to give you, these are his gifts, I'm going to give you some anointed governing leaders and they are the ones that are going to help equip my people for the work of the ministry so that we all come into unity and we'll no longer be like children, we'll grow up. And this, this mandate for you and I is massive. Um, so he ha he's got this building project taking place and he says that, that I will build my church. Is it possible to build our church? Is it possible to build his church in ways that he doesn't authorize? Totally. I am, I am very humbled by the idea that he chooses to use us in this state in part of his beautiful building of his beautiful church. Um, I have found, as I've observed, that you can build the church, build a church on gift. I've seen, I met, met very gifted people that build on gift. 
I have actually seen in the last little while, as part of my message at our Canadian conference, um, be careful that you're not building your church by marketing. Because you can gather people by marketing, can't you? Pretty easy. Is it possible to build his church our way? And you think it'll succeed? Here's what I've found is that you can build a certain way that the gates of hell will prevail against. And there's a, gate, there's a, a way of building where the gates of hell cannot prevail against. What he builds based on his revelation, Satan has no power over. Zero power. So if you find opposition that your life is being blown apart, my suggestion is you relook at the foundations of your life or your business. My suggestion. Because I read in Matthew chapter 7... That a wise man builds a house a certain way. He's talking about building a life. There's so many metaphors in Scripture, isn't there? He says, says a wise man builds his house upon the rock. <laughs> you, what, what does that mean? Because he says that once he builds it, then storms come against it. He refers to a type of building that when the storms come, or when the gates of hell come that it actually crashes that life, that business, that church, whatever you're building. And we're all building something. And he says, if you look previous to what, when he said that, he says that you need to be careful because there's some people who are building on gifts. And he says there's, there's people who ha are building based on miracles and deliverance. And they said, Lord, didn't we, aren't we, didn't we, isn't this your, he said, away from me, I didn't know you. It's a, it's a frightening indictment on leaders. So here, but here's the point, the church was meant to design to help us grow. And they said, no, I don't want to grow, I'm just going to use my gift. Well, gifts are given to everybody, but fruit is grown. The fruit of the Spirit takes Years and years and years, and then you get a crop failure, and you got to go <laughs> start again. I was sure that I had that fruit growing in my vineyard. And so he says, no, the, the, you can only specifically tell a tree by the type of fruit that it produces. What does that require for fruit to be produced? I'm talking to fruit growers here. Fruit is the end of a growth season. It's not at the beginning. That's why Jesus said, don't despise the days of small beginnings. <laughs> Seeds look powerless, but if they're put in the right soil, they'll create an orchard. And if they're tended, and if, if they're allowed to grow and be pruned, who likes being pruned? Don't put up your hands, nobody likes being pruned, unless you've got a vision for fruit and for harvest. You need to go through an entire season before you produce fruit. Um, I like to say a lot about this, but I, I have a few other points. What happens when people plant themselves in a church? They're so happy about springtime. We're so happy to be here. We love the worship. We love the word. A, a season is coming where we're going to have to weed and prune. And Jesus says it's impossible for offenses not to come. You will get kicked out of the call of God 
with an offense faster than you can say, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> It'll happen. My question is, when you're going through that growth phase, how are you going to handle it? Because it's impossible for you not to hang out here and not get offended. You may be offended that I'm saying you could be offended. I'm just giving you a heads up. It's coming. It's just a growing season. And God says, leave the wheat. Let the, let the weeds grow with the wheat. You're going to mess with the process. And so, just to multiply the metaphors, um, we, we go through these seasons. Here's another thing we'll go through. is a season of, of, this happens, I'm talking about church. I'm also talking about life. I'm also talking about marriage. You'll go through a season where your expectations aren't being met. How will you deal with that? Uh, you could get bitter, like many people do. Or else you could choose to be refined and surrender. And say, Lord, what's going on in me? What's it like to be married to me? Do you know what it's like to lead you as sheep? Perfect. It's just perfect. <laughs> I'd be a fool to say anything else, wouldn't I? This whole process, though, because church is designed for growth. And somehow I have to be those healing hands and heart of Jesus and at the same time smack you beside the head and say, grow up. <laughs> what a dance. I got to invite you. Hey, 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 give some of that precious money so that God can get involved in your finances. Hey, church, you shouldn't talk about money. Into, ah, whatever. I know, I've been through the whole cycle over and over and over again. And my leader often pushes me too far. But the fact is, I got to grow. And so this process in life, you just got to learn to work with the seasons. They're not gonna, there's always going to be seasons. And fruit is a result of successfully going through all of the seasons. And Psalm chapter 1 says, if you do this right, if you're planted by a river of water, you'll bear fruit in every season. You can even bear fruit in seasons of pruning, seasons of dryness. Your roots go down deeper. You can even bear fruit. Okay, so that's, there's the introduction to that. I better, I just got to move on a bit here. Um, the, the, the revelation of church is a revelation of, of family. Because we are first a family. We're, meant to, we're, we're instructed to pray our father. We're not alone. It's not my father. It's our father. It's not my priest, not my prophet, not my teacher. He says, here's how I'd like you to pray our Father together, corporately. We are part of something bigger than ourselves. United we stand, divided we fall. And if our back should ever be against the wall, we'll be together. A revelation of church is a revelation of family. And I want to over-communicate that because I feel like we, f we forget that we are part of something collectively that's we're designed this is by design and here's here's what I, I can tell you right now for sure is your image of your earthly father will affect how you see your heavenly father y'all know that your your experience in your earthly family will reflect how you respond in this church family it's just the truth if your if your earthly family was a place where you were controlled Here's how you'll see this, me trying to control you. It's the last thing I want to do. Gosh, that's too much work. Hardly control myself, let alone you. 
but, but that's, what, that's how you'll see it. If your dad was absent, you'll, you'll specifically, it'll magnify how much I'm away. Because you'll see the father's away from home. What's he, why isn't he? He should be. Somebody should be. Same thing. Here's what you do. You deal with yourself, and all of a sudden, this will look beautiful. Right? Deal with the speck. And, uh, sorry, deal with the log, and the speck will be no problem. That's how that works. So we're a family. Well, first of all, we're, and we're a family. And so... Um, um, I tell you the thing that happens in a family and you don't, don't, don't think this is taking it too far I'm taking it just far enough this isn't beyond meat <laughs> it's not beyond meat um, um, in, a, in, a, in your home of origin in order for things to go well with you you needed to honor the mother and father is that right? Ephesians chapter 5 that's what it says not so it goes well with them not because they're honorable, but so it'll go well with you. That's because that's, you, you have control of your life. I don't care what kind of home you came out of. You, got, you can control your attitude. You can control your life. You've got control of your life. Jesus gave you control of your life. He gave us governmental authority when he gave us keys. We can bind and we can loose. That's what we can do. And so... So what happens is when we learn to honor, so it didn't happen in the home. Here's what will come up when you're in church. Um, the, 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 the ability to honor or dishonor, that will surface. If it hasn't already, I'm sure it has. That, so what are you going to do with that so it goes well with you? It's not going to change me. See, when you change your theology, it doesn't change God. It changes you. <laughs> He's unchangeable. So, so, but here's, here's, here's a real, real disappointment for me. I'm, I'm, I'm actually very disturbed with the level of dishonor to church leaders on social media. Uh, I'm, I, unbelievable. Uh, I, I follow Bill Johnson, and uh, he likes to hunt. And all these people have opinions about he shouldn't be hunting, and well, so he, he just says very politely, I always like it when he says this, well, just don't follow me. But don't come and discredit me. This is my life. You have yours. I don't go on there and tell you what a schmuck you are. Like it's the levels of dishonor, the, the, the cowardly approach to leaders all over. We're to honor our governmental leaders as well. So it goes well with us. And the level of dishonor that I hear on social media, because you can sit behind there and type out your opinion like a little coward rather than coming face to face and, well, here's my invitation. Deal with your heart and grow up and learn. Do you have someone in your life to honor? Good, that means you're part of a family. It'll go well with you, biblically, if you can carry your heart right towards an authority in your life. I hear when there's quiet in the church that people are thinking. <laughs> That's what I get told. <clears throat> okay. Um, the term that Jesus uses is ekklesia. And in, in, in classical Greek, it was a governmental term. And um, you all knew that. I shared that last week a little bit. The, the thing about, um, I think I just want to move along. I think I've said a whole bunch of stuff. Once, but I want to just move into Ephesians chapter. I'm going to read from chapter uh, 2 first where it says, uh, in chapter uh, 2, verse 19, it says, You are all members of God's family, like it or not. <laughs> when we come to faith in Christ, you become part of a family. How are you doing in that family? W what's it like? 
to be in the family of God if everybody was like you? He, he, what, what would that be like? Like me. We are his house built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. The apostolic and the prophetic ministry is foundational for the setting up of the church. And he makes sure, he says instantly, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We who believe, we who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Here, another metaphor. We're not just a family, but we're a building. You've got to get this. You've got to, you just got to see this. Uh, and through him, you Gentiles are also joined together as part of a dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Don't those just ripple inside of you? Just a minute. I'm, I'm part of a building where the spirit of God dwells, and he said these stones are being perfectly fit together. Are you okay to be placed someplace in the wall beside another stone that you may not like? This is, meant, this is intended to help you to grow up. We're living stones. The problem is we're living stone. They can jump out of their spots. He says, I'm gonna, they're, they're going to be fit together. That means that he's going to place people where he wants them. Can I just go on a little pet peeve rant here for a minute, tangent a little bit, like most of this has been already? <laughs> Forgive me for offending you because I probably will right now. Anybody heard of the term church shopping? Good grief. If, if you're church shopping this morning, just know you're loved. <laughs> Kumbaya. But, 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 but my Bible, here's my question. Here's my question. If he is putting the body together, then he... Then it, what just happened there? Sorry, Jesus, did I say something wrong? <laughs> no, but if he's putting the body together, then your question can't be, where do I want to go? It's where does he want me? And if you're leaving a church, you need to, if he's placed you there, then you need to say, Lord, are you moving me? Because if not, you stay until the process of development gets finished. There was a time when our kids had to go. I started telling them when they were 12, you're leaving at 17. <laughs> I just wanted them to know there's going to come a time where you're going to have to go. And, and there's some that had to stay till they were 34. I was joking. But you know, there's a time for our kids to grow. And there's a time when their development in this environment is done then they need to move on. And so what do we do as parents? Same thing that should happen in a church. You're right, your season of development, we've taken you as far as you can go. Let me lay my hands on you and bless you and you'll go out with joy, you'll be led forth with peace and the mountains and the hills will break forth before you. This will continue your growth cycle. So when someone comes here and they say, oh, we're just church shopping, I say, oh, has God released you from your last church? If not, go back, because I'm, we're just going to go through the same cycle again, once more around that mountain. If he's released you, then good, then let me call your pastor and see how you did. <laughs> see if you left on good terms. Well, shouldn't we do that? And then uh, we'll welcome you here, and we'll, we'll, we'll welcome you at this level, and then you can grow from there. Otherwise, you've got to start right back at the beginning again. 
Because I can't pro promote anyone who's not proven. Anybody offended yet? Should be. Could be. Um, last, good rant. <laughs> he says in the, in the end of chapter 4 here, and I, I'll, I'll wrap up. He gave those, these gifts to, to the church. Jesus, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip the people to do his work and build up the church. That's, that's my job, is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. The paid staff are meant to do the work of the ministry. They're to train you to do the work of the ministry. Now, the old mindset would say, hey, just a minute, you're, you're on staff, you should do. Uh-huh, you know, but you got the same, you don't got a junior Holy Spirit, you got like the Holy Spirit, you can actually do this work as good as anybody. And you need an opportunity, right? You need, with feeding, you need exercise. Otherwise, what happens? <laughs> Their responsibility is, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up his church, the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of our faith and the knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. And we'll be no longer like children. That's the goal. No longer like forever changing their minds about what we believe, what someone has said, what they didn't say. No, because you're all together and someone is able to correct you when you're being naughty. Because someone's cleverly lied to you and made that lie, lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, and under his direction, under his direction, and under... His direction, what was I reading? The whole body <clears throat> is fitted together perfectly. Are you okay to be fitted? Can you take an instruction? <laughs> together, as each part does his own special work, it helps the other parts, because you've got special work to do that I can't do. I'm good at a very, very, very small number of things. As each part does its own special work, what does it do? It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Wow. Here, here, but so here's the critical thing. I'll invite the worship team to come back up. Here's the critical thing. Together, we are extremely powerful. Divided, we're extremely weak. As long as the church bickers, gossips, points out the faults, and looks at all the wrinkles in the bride's dress rather than her beauty. Because we're designed to govern. But as long as the enemy can get in there and put divisions, says a house that's divided, what happens? It falls. You've got to be unified. Our major battle is over unity. You don't have to agree with what I say. Never, you're never told to do that. You're invited. Like, what do you think of that? Our kids always had, were, were able to disagree, but it had to do with tone and pitch. It's how you disagree. You should have freedom to think in your own home as clearly, right? What happens when a government gets divided? <laughs> no walls get built, that's for sure. <laughs> in Mexico. <laughs> But here's what happens. You, you, you know, I mentioned the other night at our all-in night how that we were, there's three types of church government and only one works. At, at, at best, we're, 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 we're not a democracy. There's, here's the only time a democracy works, in peace times. But the reason that they put in martial law 
was in seasons of war. And you don't have to go through this whole process of getting checks. Help, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we not do this? Church is a family, but we go through seasons of war. And it's for the benefit of the family. It's for the bigger, the bigger call. We need to be bigger, bigger people. And the invitation is not just for us to grow up, but be unified so that we can be that transformational force in our city and in our nation. What's your, what's your special part? When we do our, when every part does its special part, the whole body starts to grow. And our, and our goal is not to just grow for growth's sake. That's the mission statement of a cancer cell. Our, our, grow, our purpose is to grow up and become more and more like Christ. That's, that's our goal. Reading through the Bible will not change you. Memorizing scripture won't change you. Have you noticed that? I found people who can quote scripture at me that just meaner than a junkyard dog. They don't have the character and nature of Christ at all. All they have, all they have is an intellectual relationship with the Lord, not a spirit relationship. Part of the design of the journal was so that we, both sides of the brain could be engaged. A whole person. When we come together, we need to learn to have our hearts, our hearts open and say, God, calibrate me today. Because this, isn't, this, is, this is your place of encouragement and equipping. Tomorrow, school. How will you take what's been said here into, into your workplace and into your home? How will you do that? So, Father, this morning, I just see from your word so many things that we're still figuring out. How's the church work in the kingdom? How's it meant to govern? How's the, how are we meant to grow? How are we meant to develop? Oh, I've got a whole bunch of questions, Lord. But I know one thing is you're the head. As we yield to the head, Lord, the anointing can flow from the head down onto the body, onto the garment. We can become extremely powerful as your body. So, Lord, we submit to your leadership, your call, and we thank you for the transformational power of your presence in this service today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's all just stand together before we go. And um, I like it when people take notes. But it's really more important that you catch my heart than you hear what's said. You know what's behind what's said. <clears throat> that, that's what's really important. Um, I feel a particular uh, burden this morning for families. Uh, families where there's dysfunction and disagreement, division. And uh, so I just want to pray for that personally right now. If you haven't invited Christ into your life to take leadership in your life, that's your first step. I'd invite you to come this morning. We have a prayer team that's here to help pray with you and be part of that journey. That's, that's the first step of a whole walk with God. That's just the first step. If you're here this morning and you feel there, there's been some tension in your family and maybe in your own home, um, I personally feel that this morning I need to pray for that. So just take a moment, uh, position yourself to receive today. Father, I think that you're, you were the one, this idea of family is your idea. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.